Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host, Nick. And I'm Imran. So, yeah, we are fitting this one in. There's actually been three matches since we last recorded. Uh, It was me and you, Imran, after the Brighton loss, unfortunately. Uh, So then, yeah, we've had Bayern Munich, we've had Burnley and Crystal Palace. Mixed fortunes, of course. And, um, you know, let's let's go through it in kind of chronological order, I think, just to... It's always nice to have a look back, because when you're immediately doing podcasts and just going over the last game, emotions often take over. But, yeah, sometimes looking back after a few matches gives you a bit of a different perspective. But, yeah, look, we went... We knew we were on the bad run. We'd lost to Brighton. We'd lost to Arsenal. We were going to Bayern Munich. Uh, no, you kind of said at the time, look, I don't give as much chance, but it's more the next games after that that are really going to make the difference. But yeah, look, in the end, I actually thought we gave a pretty good account of ourselves out in Munich. It could, you know, it could have been a lot worse, especially after going 2-0 down after half an hour. People were talking about it's going to be 5-6 because, you know, we've had a couple of games like that last season. Uh, so then in the end, to come back and only lose 4-3, I was kind of feeling quite positive despite a loss. Yeah, it was a it was a weird one. It was like a close, like a close, unclose game, uh, a game we were in, but never felt like we were we were really had a chance of winning. Like, I we constantly kept on coming back, and then Bayern would get ahead, and then yeah, I never felt like we actually could get a result. Or I thought Bayern were the better team, but then we almost did. So. Bit weird in that sense, but yeah, I mean, it could have been a lot worse. I, we, I think a lot of people were expecting a drubbing, um, and it wasn't that at all. And to go out to Bayern and score three goals is pretty good. I did say on the last pod the defense was pretty ropey, and that proved to be the case. Um, and then obviously, a lot of the goals were of well, one of the goals was of our own making with a bad mistake from Onana. They got a really dodgy penalty that was never a penalty, and yeah, these things kind of fall for you, but I did feel like Bayern had an extra gear to step up into and probably, well, yeah. I wouldn't go losses away at Bayern. The hardest game in the group isn't a bad thing. Yeah, there was a bit of that. You kind of felt that if Bayern really needed to go for it, they could have, and most of the time they had a two-goal cushion. Um, and yeah, look, I started with that Onana absolute blunder. You know, we talked about him before, had said he kind of could have done better, but we can't directly blame him for any of the goals. So then all of a sudden he decided to deliver one that we could directly blame him for. Uh, but he stood up afterwards, you know, especially wanted to come out, go on camera, say, apologise to the team, which, you know, you like to see. I like his character for sure. I think he's definitely gone to the top of the list of players I want to see post-match reaction from. Um, mm. So, yeah, look, it was good to see that. And I think then since that, we've obviously had two clean sheets. He's made quite a few decent saves. Uh, so, yeah, it hasn't kind of affected him. And that's the main thing. Yeah, I think he seems like the kind of guy with the mentality that these mistakes, I mean, a lot of keepers, these mistakes and they're one after the other and they fall down a dark hole. I don't think Anana has seems to have a much stronger personality and belief in himself that these sort of things won't affect him. It's just, we obviously, these things can't become a regular thing. Um, I hope it won't be. It's just a one-off. And it, it can happen to any keeper, those sort of mistakes as well. So you just kind of hope that, yeah, that's uh, it's very much a one-off and he... Uh, Responds well, which he seems to seems to have done over the last two games, and with his uh, comments after the game. 
yeah, look, he's definitely made some good saves against Burnley, even against Palace late on yesterday. There was uh, one good save. But yeah, the Burnley ones were really pretty important because, yeah, it was nil-nil, one from a header that he came in and uh, he did well in general. So yeah, I think we can at the moment assume that's just one to go. And I mean, going into this run of games, it had been our defence that had been the biggest problem. You know, we conceded three goals in a row, uh, three games in a row, three goals. And we'd also conceded two against Forest, two against Spurs before that. So there, all the focus had been on how many goals we were giving away. Uh, so now to come out with two clean sheets does show like a big difference. I mean, all right, the level of opponent is different because we were talking about having played Arsenal, Brighton, Bayern Munich, and then playing Burnley and Crystal Palace kind of reserves. So yeah, shouldn't get too excited. But to turn around all those leaking goals, I mean, what are you pointing it down to? Is it just players coming back from injury, change of system? I mean, what has been the main difference in these last couple of games? The main difference, I think, has been the opposition, unfortunately. Like, Burnley are pretty blunt up front. Uh, Palace, the same. Um, no real big threat up there. And their biggest threat, probably, Eze and Elise weren't featured. Well, Eze came off the bench, Elise didn't feature at all. What they had, Mateta, was, he was he was playing yesterday, so not exactly a major goal threat. I think that was, I mean, it would be nice to throw some credit our way. And some credit is due. I mean, Johnny Evans came in against West Brom and was genuinely excellent. Uh, Maguire and Varane very comfortable and yeah but sorry Burnley uh, and uh, Varane whenever Varane is in our back line I automatically feel a lot more assured um, and just comfortable because it's Varane and he is a world class centre back still think he's one of the best centre backs in the league um, just when he's fit so having him back is big um, but yeah it's really the opposition uh, you've got to put it down to them but it's I mean we can only defend against what's in front of us and we're doing a good job, so fair enough. I mean, there has been a major change in the midfield. And even though we were looking at the defence, I think often it was the kind of lack of protection from midfield that had been the issue. And Ten Hag's been chopping and changing the midfield a fair bit. You know, it, it was quite clear he was trying to change up the system a bit, leaving Casemiro as the main defensive player. It wasn't working out. Uh, you know, earlier on in the season, it was Mount, then Ericsson who maybe are not able to just put in the right amount of defensive work to help Casemiro out, and he was ending isolated a lot. Uh, we've seen Hannibal start two matches in a row now. Uh, we talked about him out on the last podcast because he'd come on as a sub, and it was the only bright spark of that day where he scored a goal against Brighton. And, you know, you, we, we briefly gave him a mention, and I know you said I don't see him having a Man United future, and he's only just in here or injuries, but look, he's been given a big chance now. I mean, I kind of agreed with you. I've not quite seen enough from Hannibal up to this point to say I was like really itching for him to be given a start. But yeah, look, due to injuries, he's got that chance. And look, I think, yeah, he's, he's done pretty well. Yeah, two starts in a row now. Wait, so, you know, where are you at now after seeing two games in a row from him? I still think the same thing. I think he's, he feel, he's feeling in a purpose at the moment. That purpose is running around like an absolute madman which he's uh, very good at. Uh, he covers a lot of ground, puts the work in. Um, I thought against Burnley in the first half, he put the work in, but his on-the-ball stuff wasn't quite there. But in the second half, to be fair, on the ball, he was quite good. Um, yesterday on the ball, a bit mix and match. I don't think he has the necessary qualities, probably, to be a, a mainstay in the team or a long-term option for us. But I think for that, for the now, for the here and now, when we need some legs to get around the pitch, I think, yeah, fine, he's doing a job. And it's a decent job. Um, him, I think, yeah, having him and to a slightly lesser extent, Tomine doing a lot of work against Burnley really helps Casemiro out. And Casemiro's been, hadn't looked good two games in a row now. And he's one of our most important players. And if we can get Casemiro looking good, then that's only going to help us as a team. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely about getting legs in midfield. And I think Amrabat also will help that out as well. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I mean, those have been the big differences for me. It is what's happening in midfield. As you say, Casemiro is getting a bit more help around him, whether it's McTominay, whether it's Hannibal. And second half against Palace, it was Amrabat next to him. And that, yeah, that for me is the big difference. Now we see that he's got that bit more time on the ball to make those great passes. And uh, it was a good assist for Martial for the third goal against Palace last night. And yeah, Casemiro is looking good again. You know, a lot of people were almost writing him off saying, you know, his, his age is getting to him. He'd had too difficult a season. And I think they were definitely a bit premature on 
writing off Casemiro. Just think, you know, he's a bit of a slow starter in the season. He'd also been away with Brazil and he's now just getting into that more like the right gear. Uh, I mean, Hannibal, I think, is probably the closest replacement we have to Fred, as in the guy who's just going to do the running. He's going to get himself about, close down. And I think just like Fred as well, he doesn't have quite enough quality on the ball, unfortunately. So yeah, for me, maybe that's why. You know, we know that Casemiro and Fred always kind of liked playing together. They did for Brazil. They kind of almost matched together often when they're playing for us. And yeah, Fred has gone. So yeah, I don't know why. Maybe that is why Hannibal is getting this chance because he is that kind of, uh, you know, Fred Mark II. Yeah. Also, we've got nobody else. So <laughs> kind of needs must as well in that, that, that the middle of that park. Although Ericsson hasn't featured for the last two games, has he, I guess. So maybe he's just having a well, bit of a spell he's out. he's been the big casualty. So it looks like Ten Hag is can't, not exactly blaming him, but maybe saying, look, maybe Ericsson does not have the legs to be doing what he wants to do in this kind of slightly more attacking new system he wants to be going for. So yeah, he has been the big casualty. Whereas he preferred to go for the likes of McTominay, the likes of Hannibal, who are more about the running, more about the hard work. And yeah, it has worked out in these last two games, uh, at least. I mean, Hannibal, it will be interesting to see what happens now with him as players come back. Uh, I mean, Amrabat makes his debut yesterday. He did come in at the end of that Burnley game, slotted in at kind of left back. You know, he's now like our emergency fullback kind of option. Did a pretty good job. And then uh, second half yesterday, Mount comes out. And Ten Hag, by the way, said that was pre-planned. So he doesn't have an injury or anything. He's just slowly easing back after injury. So yeah, Mount came out at half time, And Amrabat goes back into more like his more natural midfield role. Uh, and yeah, I, th- I thought it was a pretty good debut for Amrabat. Yeah, really good. Uh, absolutely everywhere. Um, even in the first half, and he was at left back. I think he played about eight positions. Um, probably our best so far as fullback that slots into midfield to make it a box midfield kind of thing that you know Pep and Arteta love to do. Is probably Amrabat's probably been our best experiment of that. But then that's because he is a midfielder. And also the opposition yesterday before, so it enabled him to have a lot of space. But he looked really comfortable on the ball. Um, I was always a big proponent of getting him in. I thought he'd be excellent for us. And I mean, it's only his debut, so it's a long way to go and in the Carabao Cup. But you, you, that's how encouraging signs. Looked very comfortable on the ball, wants the ball, loads of passes, mixed range passes, uh, terrible shots. So, you know, he can fit in with the rest of our midfielders. Um, so yeah, a, a very encouraging debut. Very encouraging maybe, debut. Yeah, maybe yesterday. he's the Fred. Maybe he's the new Fred. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Terrible shot. He's more like on the Fred vibe with that. Uh, but no, yeah. Look, I'm pleased just to get him in. Obviously, he was that late deadline day signing, but there'd been a lot of links with him earlier on. Um, anybody who listens to this podcast probably knows that I spend a fair bit of time in Morocco for work reasons. Uh, so yeah, it's nice to see a Moroccan international at United and at Old Trafford. Mm. Uh, and yeah, he had had a brilliant World Cup. Um, and I think he is the right kind of player. Again, Fred had gone. So yeah, it was that kind of more midfield energy that we need. Uh, and yeah, Amrabat is definitely, definitely a step up. Because I know we talked about earlier and you said, look, Fred's gone, Mount. Uh, he's come in and he's not anywhere near the same kind of replacement, whereas obviously at the end of the window, they've bought in Amrabat. So he is. I mean, all of a sudden, on the injury front, things are looking a lot better. Yeah. You know, that was the big positive from last night to see Varane there, to see Mount, to see Amrabat. And, you know, the injury woes are starting to clear up. We still have issues in the kind of fullback area. I think Reguillon is just ill. So hopefully by the weekend, he might be back in action. I'm not really heard anything clear about the likes of Shaw, Malassia. I think Juan Bissaka is going to be at least a couple of weeks because I think he was hamstring. But yeah, I don't know. We're no clearer to knowing when any of the others are going to come back. So yeah, injury-wise, it is still just kind of full-back where we're lacking. But now in midfield, at centre-back with Maguire and Varane back in, we're looking like the numbers are getting back there. Mm, yeah. Um, it's encouraging i guess it's just the fallback thing like you said um also with amrabat it's just good to see someone who really wants to play for united um after the game he said like just it's always a dream to play for united and that's the i mean it's it's not a prerequisite but it is very nice when players are coming here because they really want to be here um same with hoyland um just gives that extra you know gives them that extra impetus to do well i think um so that's nice and 
yeah, on Maguire, I thought it was actually nice to have see Maguire just have a normal game of football where nothing bad happened. It was just a very normal game of football from a normal person doing normal defender things. And it feels like it's a long time ago since we got that from Maguire or anyone got that from Maguire. It's always a story with him. So there was just no, there was no story yesterday. It was just a normal game. So that was quite nice. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, he actually had a decent game. And, you know, in the centre-backs, because Maguire and Varane had come out, I mean, I know I'm flitting around from kind of game to game at the moment of what's happening through all these three matches. As I said, it's Bayern, Burnley, Palace. But uh, Johnny Evans comes in for that Burnley game. There'd been a lot of kind of criticism. And, you know, there'd been the Brighton game before where we ended the match with Evans and Maguire and people had talked about how, yeah, this was a kind of Leicester City partnership from years ago. Um, I thought it was all a bit harsh because we're really looking at what are our essentially fifth and sixth choice centre-back options. Mm. Uh, you know, Martinez, Varane, Lindelof, Shaw are probably the first four. And then I think if you're having Maguire and Evans as fifth and sixth choice, then I don't think any other club is going to be able to put out that kind of quality as fifth, fifth and sixth choice options. Uh, it's not like there are, you know, if they were our second and third choice options, then you might have a bit more of a problem about it. But yeah, Johnny Evans comes in and starts rolling back the years. Uh, we, I was not expecting to see much of him this season. Uh, you thought, you know, it might have been this kind of Carabao Cup game. Uh, he, I thought he was coming in in a semi kind of coaching role. But yeah, we have the injury crisis and uh, he gets a start. But yeah, he did. He did well. And I, I he wasn't actually officially man of the match. It was given to Bruno, but then Bruno gave it to him because he thought he deserved it more. So it was a nice kind of moment mm. there. Uh, he was definitely man of the match for me. Um, really good performance for all about the years, like you said. And it was just a really, it was a really nice story. Like a really nice, and it was around United when there's been so much doom and gloom and shit, basically for the last two, three months, however long. Just a nice feel-good story of Johnny Evans getting to play his 200th game for the club is something he thought he'd never be able to do. And you see all his interviews after the game where he's absolutely made up. And you just you just have to, have to feel happy for the bloke. Like on a human level, just feel really happy for the bloke. Came in, scored a goal that was disallowed. Um, I probably, I personally would say that should be offside. That should be an offside thing. But it is something that very often doesn't get called offside. Uh, so want some consistency around it but unlucky for that but then just you know keeps going and then puts in a pearl over an assist for an incredible goal from Bruno well we probably won't score a better goal than that all season probably um, and he was a big part of it so yeah great performance I mean I think he made like eight clear I think any one thing Evans will give you same like Maguire I guess is like some a bit of presence in the air and everything that's going in that box Evans was just clearing away putting it away no nonsense kind of stuff um, so yeah great great performance from Evans yeah, and he had a brilliant reception when he came on at Old Trafford last night. Uh, Johnny Evans is a red renditions going round. So, yeah, as you say, it is a nice kind of feel-good story to come in over there. Um, I also agree that his goal probably was rightly chalked off. It's a shame. You know, VAR, I've said for years and years, is an absolute killer and something I haven't liked. And that was actually one really positive thing about the Carabao Cup match last night. There was no VAR. So you can actually celebrate a goal without being worried that we have to now sit here, wait for five minutes while they think about every bloody angle. And yeah, it was like a refreshing thing. We don't need to worry about VAR. Like, especially when you're in the stadium, it's especially awful that you don't know what's going on. You're just waiting to hear some kind of announcement. You celebrate like mad, then realise there's a check. Uh, I mean, I was never a fan of VR in the first place, and I actually think it's just something that's got actually worse and worse in a way as they keep fiddling with the rules, wasting so much time. There's still so much controversy. And yeah, I, I think, you know, they're not going to get rid of it. I would personally absolutely get rid of it because what, were we in three years? When did when did we bring in VAR? Is it where we... Yeah, at least years. three years in now. It must be the yeah. Is it the third season or fourth season? But third you know, I remember first season we kept saying, "Oh, it's new. We'll get better." But it's not getting any better. It's not getting any better. And as I say, all right, that decision was okay. But if we talk about VAR decisions, then yeah, you did mention it. But at Bayern Munich, that handball was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, he's like less than a yard away from him. His hand is like pretty close to his body. I mean, it's. Years ago, not even like what five, ten, five years ago, you would never even consider that that was a handball penalty offence. Uh, you know, it's a ball to hand. There's nothing deliberate about it. 
But yeah, nobody really knows what the handball rules are anymore. And yeah, it's, it is one of the worst bits of VAR for me at the moment is the handball rules are just mm. an absolute joke. I mean, that wouldn't get given in the Premier League, which is weird because it's the same rules for everybody. It wouldn't, it wouldn't get given in the Premier League. Um, it's only handball you get in Europe. It did make me think, actually, Fred was really looking to get away with that handball in Barcelona uh, last year. That made me think about that. And then also... Um, obviously everyone saw on the weekend Spurs and Arsenal Romero doing the exact same handball that he did against us a couple of weeks ago and obviously Arsenal got the penalty for that one which it should it was a penalty it should be a penalty uh, he's got his hands up away from his body ball's going towards goal not that the ball going towards goal actually has a bearing in the rules but he's making, he's making his body bigger the hands up I think that's a penalty for a handball but it wasn't three weeks ago Dermot Gallagher on Sky three weeks ago saying, oh, yeah, that's not a handball because it's too close to him. Then on Sky this week saying, oh, it's a handball, definitely, because it's going like... And then they just make it up as they go along. He's, one of the pundits asked him, should it be... What, what about the Romero incident of a couple of weeks ago? And he just starts blabbering under his mouth because he, can't, he can't, ju- can't, can't justify him saying a few weeks ago that it wasn't a handball. So it's, it's, they, they, they don't know what they're doing. Make it up as they go along. The handball law really needs sorting out. Uh, and to be honest with you, it's, I, I always say this, unless it's going towards the goal, a handball in the box should just be an indirect free kick. Most fouls in the box should be an indirect free kick, to be honest with you, um, in my humble opinion. Because indirect free kicks are really entertaining as well. well I think we, we all lost that. So I think unless someone's going through on goal or there's something to do with you know denying a guy going having a shot or something along those lines, just give indirect free kicks in the box, make the game a lot better. It means that fouls that don't wouldn't result in anything wouldn't be a penalty, and then yeah, we don't have to worry about these weird daft handballs. Where I mean, Ericsson's jumping. What? What? He, no one jumps like a pencil. And it's funny if you watch the guy. Who, I think it was it Upamecano who edited it down because when he's jumping, yeah. he's jumped really high, and his his hands are really high up because he jumped really high. And Ericsson has jumped, and his hands are not even as high as his, but because he's jumped, he's hit his hand. Absolutely. I think that our weekly VAR rant is a good place to take a break and we'll see you back on the other side. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Back for part two of this podcast. We are kind of changing around a bit. As I said, there's the three matches we're talking about instead of kind of going through them in a row and just coming up with issues and seeing what comes from game to game. So, yeah, we had that VAR kind of controversy, as I said. It was really nice to be at the home game at Old Trafford versus Palace with no VAR. But, uh, you know, that's a rare thing. Um, One thing I'm looking at is the kind of strikers over this game. So now. We've had Rasmus Hoshland, uh starting to get a couple of starts. He still doesn't seem quite ready for 90 minutes. Martial then He played starts. 90 against Burnley, though, didn't he? Did he? Uh, yeah, he played 90. I mean, he looked absolutely he absolutely knackered for the last 20 minutes and dead on his feet, but he did play the full night. We only made two subs against Burnley, actually. Yeah, you're right. There's um, only Regui on for Varane and Amrabat came on for Evans. Yeah, you're right. There was yeah. only two subs against Burnley. Uh, so, yeah, that was his 90 minutes. So then, yeah, he didn't start this Palace game. Anthony Martial started. I mean, all of a sudden, there's signs of life from Anthony Martial. I mean, this must be the longest period he stayed fit for about the last couple of years. Uh, he had a kind of slightly bright sub appearance against um, Bayern Munich. And then, yeah, manages to get a goal yesterday. Are we gonna? Is he gonna give us a bit of hope that there's actually a player still there for us before disappointing us massively in a couple of weeks' time, or do you think he can actually stay fit for a while? 
I will not I will not have any more hope in Anthony Martial, thank you very much. He will come in, he might score a goal here and there, but it will lead to the same old disappointment or same old injury. So let's let, let's be happy that he's our second choice striker and not our first choice striker. I think that's a bit that is a big step forward. Um him not having to rely on him being up front. because uh, we've got Hoyland now doing actual striker things, making striker runs, holding the ball up, looking very positive. Um and he got his goal against Bayern Munich, which was a nice, I mean, I took a deflection, but still some good centre-forward play. Uh, him and Rashford are seemingly trying to strike up a relationship. One week Rashford won't pass to him, the next week Rashford will pass to him too much. So I'm sure they'll get the, they'll hit the sweet spot at some point. But yeah, no, it, I, I'm, I'm fully encouraged by Hoyland so far. Obviously he's a bit raw because he's, he's a young lad, but I think he'll come good. And if Martial wants to contribute off the bench and actually not sulk, then great. I mean... It's it's the least you'd expect from a footballer to not sulk, but you know, in, in 2023, and we've got other players who would happily have a sulk. So actually, Martial playing with a smile on his face yesterday was actually quite refreshing. You know, he's not first choice striker anymore, but he's not throwing his ties out or anything. Fair enough. Good on the lad. The actual thing I'm most worried about with Anthony Martial is that he has a half decent season, stays pretty injury free, and we give him a new contract. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's my biggest fear at the moment. And then he'll then sit like three out of those next four years, like 90% injured. Uh, we've done that before. Like I remember people like Anderson who were like injured, injured, injured. I had like a good six months before contract renewal time and then sat out the next four years after that. It definitely wouldn't be the first time. Uh, even Phil Jones as well. It was similar. <laughs> that man is destined for Saudi Arabia. Um, I used to say that. All, I used to say like what six years ago that Martial was a, the, a definite Arsenal player, and now he's a definite Saudi Arabia player. That man has Saudi Arabia written all over him next year, so I won't, I won't worry about that. Well, as I say, I'm slightly worried about that. But yeah, I'm happy to see some form from him. I'm happy that he can stay injury-free. There is definitely a good player in there. You know that technically he is a top, top, top player. And it is just kind of injuries and maybe a bit of the kind of attitude side that has held him back in recent years. But yeah, it's mostly injuries. Uh, But yeah, generally he's been semi-injury-free since he came back at the start of the season. How long that will last, we shall wait and see. But yeah, I agree with you. It is good that now he is our second choice bench option. And yeah, I am generally impressed with Hoyland. I like what I see. He's doing all the right things. Great for him to actually get a goal. Um, Yeah, there is such a big difference in him making those kind of runs. The way he can hold the ball up, uh, you just see it instantly. And we just like, as you alluded to, need to see Rashford and Hoyland just getting on exactly the same page. I think in every game so far, there has been some link up between them. It's just making the right decisions at the right time for Rashford. Uh, I think he will get there. He has done it in the past. People shouldn't forget that Rashford's had a lot of assists uh, in the past in his career. It's just in more recent years where he's really become that guy who's relied on for all the goals. And I think I might have said it on the last podcast. I think when you had semi-fit Martial and Wout Weghorst as your options for passing to, then I can totally understand why he wasn't ever passing it. But now he's got a decent option for getting there. And I think one thing with Hoyland we need to start getting on is getting some early crosses into the box. Uh, it was Martial was never going to be the one who was smashing himself to be running onto like early balls, whereas Hoyland will be. So, yeah, we want to see that coming in. Um, you know, the other two I wanted to focus on from the game last night who got starts were Palestri and Garnacho. They've both had a few chances. You know, Palestri did get a start a couple of, against uh, Bayern as well. Um, so, we, I, we've seen less of Garnacho than I kind of expected this year so far. And I think that's mostly because Rashford is really locking down that left side. But, yeah, what? how did you feel about Garnacho and Palestri last night? I mean, Garnacho got one goal. Palestri was well involved in that first goal as well. Uh, yeah, where are you at on these two? Uh, Garnacho, I mean, I'm happy happy so far with the kind of minutes we're giving him. He's, he's a young lad at the end of the day. Lots of promise, but often when he starts, he can have a he can kind of struggle. And I think he'll like still his best impact is off the bench. But again, like Palace yesterday, obviously he's starting from the start. He gets a goal. He's always looking. He's always going to give us a, a good threat. Um, but he's not something we should be relying upon. I'm always a bit wary about relying on teenagers, even though I literally just talked about us relying on Hoyland. Uh, but that's an exception, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, you want these youngsters to come in and contribute here, as and when, as long as he, as long as we keep him happy, and he'll get loads of appearances off the bench, and he'll get a start here and there. So I think that'd be fine. Uh, Palestri, I mean, he's got a lot of, lot of hard work. Um, 
a lot, lot of work, work ethic. He's a bit lightweight, um, which is a bit of a problem. And his quality on the ball is a bit hit and miss. Uh, I thought he did okay yesterday, putting a putting a shift. Um, I don't think it's a massive downgrade on Anthony at all, Palestri, to be honest with you, but that's mainly because of how little I rate Anthony. Um, I think... Yeah, it was it was a fine performance, nothing to set the world on fire, but he, he involved in the first goal and he was trying putting putting in a shift. So and in a very easy game, in a comfortable game, yeah, good 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 minutes for him. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised though if Ahmad gets above um, Palestri in the pecking order when he's back. I wouldn't be surprised if Mount is our right winger until Anthony gets back. Mount, yeah, all right. We've not really seen him play out on the right side at all. But yeah, he could definitely be an option over there. I think Pelestri well, he, he, done pretty well. He was good yesterday was Mount as well for the first 45 minutes. Thought it was definitely his brightest his look for us um, in a more attacking role. Um, he was obviously in the Bruno 10 role, but he was drifting out wide quite a bit. You could kind of see a scenario where Bruno and Mount are in those 10 right wing roles and kind of switching throughout the game. Uh, but it just kind of showed that Mount is probably at his best when he is, you know, in those attacking thirds. Yeah, and you know, I know you don't rate Mason Mount that much. I definitely rate him a lot higher than you, but I do agree that he is probably better in a more attacking role. Whereas pre in the first couple of games of the season, he was trying to more play him around like the number eight, more as a central midfielder. So yeah, we'll see where he gets those choices. But he is a good player, and I think he will show it as he gets kind of used to it over there. Uh, Palestri in general, I'm just happy that these guys are getting a chance. I don't think either of them maybe are doing quite enough to actually really say they're unlucky not to be starting uh, the bigger games. But they're both great options to have off the bench, Garnacho and Palestri. And yeah, good when like, injuries are coming up to have those options around there. Uh, as you say, on the injury side, we are still missing Ahmad. We've not seen any of him this season. And Mainu, he's the other one as well, who's still, we've not seen any of. And that really is why the likes of Hannibal are getting a chance. Uh, I think he would have been a lot further down the pecking order if Mainu had been around. I think he was the highest up of the kind of young players for Eric Tenar going into this season. Uh, I mean, the other young midfielder who got a debut last night was Dan Gore. Um, in pre-season, it had been interesting that I actually thought that Dan Gore was higher up the pecking order than Hannibal. He's played more kind of pre-season games and they were both available for the whole of it than Hannibal. But uh, Ten Hag has kind of preferred Hannibal in this period over here. But yeah, I like the good look of Dan Gore. It's the perfect time. That's it. When you go kind of two, three goals up in a Carabao Cup game at home, it's the perfect time to give youngsters a kind of run out, give them a bit of a debut. Uh, so yeah, Dan Gore coming in over there. I thought he did really well for anyone who doesn't know. It was his 19th birthday. Uh, he's a more of a like defensive midfielder. He was part of that 2022 FA Youth Cup winning team that also included Garnacho, also included Mainu. So they were the first two who've come through from that team. He's now like the third one. Uh, and there's a couple of others who we might see. There's um, Norwegian, Isaac, uh, a couple of others we may get a bit from later in this season. But yeah, he's the third player from that 2022 FA Youth winning Cup team to get his debut and come through over here. And yeah, I like the look of him. I don't know how many chances he's going to get to play after, you know, now that Amrabat and all of those are coming mm. back as well. But uh, it's good for him to get a debut and just, yeah, make some progress. I think um, the thing that Hannibal has over Gore is obviously Hannibal was on loan at Birmingham last season. He has that um, that experience of being in a, like a championship team, a first team football team. So I think Gore probably needs that experience. We probably could do with learning him out, I think, giving him that experience. Uh, having said that, Mainu hasn't got that experience at all, but obviously we rate him quite highly enough that when he comes back, I think he'll play a decent part. But yeah, I just think that Hannibal has that that edge, that that age experience, the international experience as well that Hannibal has um, over him. That you probably you you trust him more in in a, in in current situations like we're in now. Um, but yeah, got looked fine. And there was also another uh, a, a young lad, Van der Beek, I think he's called. We oh, was, yeah. he came yeah. on yesterday. Was that his debut? He might have been. Um, no, but I mean, that, yeah, I was surprised. Ge- genuinely didn't think we'd see him again. So it's kind of kind of surprising. Um, but also, I mean, I don't know how I relate everything back to Sancho, but he just goes to show, like, here's here's a guy who was told he's got no 
basically this summer it made it clear that we wanted to get rid of him. Complete surplus to requirements. We tried to offload him to anyone we could. Didn't happen. And now he's actually, you know, coming off the bench and playing in a first team because he's not, you know, he's been professional. Not kicked up a storm, not rolling his toys out, just been tr- training hard, doing what normal you'd expect, not a, a normal behaviour of footballer. And he's back in the team, whereas obviously Sancho's playing FIFA at 4am. So just goes to show. Anything can happen. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, you know, the Sancho thing obviously rumbles on. I think Ten Hag's taken exactly the right stance. Uh, it, all a bit weird with, like, posting things on social media, then deleting it, then deleting his whole account. Uh, I mean, he's obviously being badly advised from people around him. I mean, I mm. doubt that Sancho took it upon himself to go and write the statement that he did. Uh, that I'm sure it was written by an agent or his social media person or whatever. And I think he really needs to take a look at who he's surrounding himself with, who's advising him if he wants to get back. I mean, yeah, you'd expect he's now going to be available for transfer in January. Yeah, I mean, he's... uh, The thing is, if he he actually does go and apologise, there is definitely a way back for him, you'd think. I think people have short memories in football and they'll do what's right for the team, but I'd, I'd, he's an idiot, basically. <laughs> Pure and simple, he's an idiot who's handled the situation really terribly. Um, don't cross manager. Even if you think you're right, don't cross manager. It, it applies to any work of life, any any form of, of work, you know. You've got a manager. Unless you want to get fired from your job or you don't want to work anymore, then, you know, don't cross him. Sometimes apologize even if you don't mean it. Just you know, get on with your, but ultimately get on with your job and do it right. Do it right, and then these things will happen. And if they do happen, then yeah, fair enough. But I don't. I don't think uh, we've seen from Ten Hag he's not treated players unfairly or differently. He's called out players in the past, in, before in the past in in public. It's no different now. So don't be a child and just get on with you know be a professional footballer. Get on with your job, and he, he's incapable of doing that. So. Whatever he'll be gone in January, hopefully. I mean, people were people were having a go at him for playing FIFA um, an hour before kickoff against was it Bayern? I think it's Bayern, and he was playing FIFA an hour before kickoff. But I was thinking, well, that just means he's not anywhere near the pitch. So great for us. Yeah, and as I say, it's down to Sancho. I mean, I doubt he'll have any long-term future now because this is kind of become bigger than it should have been. And as you say, Ten Hag before there'd been a bit of a disciplinary thing with Rashford last season. It was dealt with quickly. Rashford said, yeah, I messed up and I won't again. And yeah, that was it. That's the way it should be. Uh, He obviously had then more of a blow up with Ronaldo that led to Ronaldo leaving the club. And the problem always is going to be with Sancho is who's actually going to take him, the amount of wages he's on and things like that. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. And yeah, I won't miss him. I'm happy to see Palestri get a chance. As I say, we've still got Ahmad to come back in. We've got like now that players are coming back, we've got options. We're not missing him in the slightest. I mean, but it is it is his own fault. He would have played in that game last night if he'd just done the right thing, apologized, got his head down, worked hard. He would have played for sure. Uh, mm. As you say, when Donny Van der Beek's getting a run out, you know that anybody can get a chance. Uh, I mean, Van der Beek is a weird one that he stayed. I, for his own sake, he surely should have left. I mean, he's had what two years of very very little football. If he has any kind of desire to have a proper footballing career for his own good, he should have taken any deal that was on the table. And we understand there were deals on the table for him. He just didn't accept any of them. He'll, yeah, you know, if he can only get 20 minutes in a game where Dan Gore and Hannibal and all that are playing, then yeah, he knows where he's at. And he's not even been registered for the Champions League. So he'll not play in any of those games. Uh, you know, even in a massive injury crisis, he's obviously way down the list. I mean, he looked okay when he came on, but as I said, it was a poor Palace team that were already kind of beaten at that point, so it's pretty easy to look pretty good at that point in the game. So yeah, Mm. I'm not going to read anything in it and yeah, don't expect to see anything of him once other players are back in. You know, as I say, Mainu, Ahmad are the two that we've not seen any of really this season, but surely will be back in at some point. Uh, And uh, then we'll see what happens to Donny van der Beek in maybe January. I can see Anthony coming back fairly soonish as well. I don't think it'll be an, a too long an absence out of the team. So I can see that happening as well. Probably this year, actually, at some point. Um, so, yeah, I can't see Van der Beek getting many opportunities. Maybe, maybe in the next round of the, 
the milk cup, whoever we, whoever we get. Yeah, I think uh, the draw is tonight, I think. Yeah, it's tonight. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what we get. I hope it's not another home game because, yeah, it's an absolute killer for the automatic cup scheme. On the, see, last year we had some ridiculous run, didn't we, on kind of home cup draws. Yeah, we're still so on think, this ridiculous yeah, run of home draws. Yeah, I think we're, we're doing away one, I think. Definitely, definitely, yeah. You know, for those who don't know, like season ticket holders like myself and Imran, often uh, I... I mean, this automatic cup scheme where it means every time we draw a home game, I'm obliged to pay for it, even if it's Palace or whatever. I know you've opted out of that, haven't you, Imran? But uh, ah. if you opt we, we out of it, we should, it means we should, you can't... We shouldn't complain about uh, getting to see United, though. <laughs> yeah, we shouldn't. But as I'm saying, you're then forced to pay for games. It's extra expense. It can be like at short notice. And the thing is, if you opt out, is you're not allowed then to apply for away games. That's the, like the kind of mm. punishment for it. Uh, which, yeah, if you're not a massive away goer, not a big deal. But yeah, for me, I do want to still keep having that option of applying and trying to get the away tickets when we can do. Uh, so yeah, mm. we pray we pray for an away draw. <laughs> and uh, and especially like a local away draw is the actually ideal scenario. If we can play like somebody from a lower league within an hour, because you can take big kind of away followings to these games. And it's some of the best atmospheres you get, like a midweek Carabao Cup game against, I don't know, Sheffield Wednesday or something like that is about like that's the kind of dream uh, but yeah we'll see who we draw in the next round first world, pro- first world problems from Nick there first world problems oh I guess <laughs> I don't want to see Man United at home too much oh no terrible <laughs> well I will say like there was actually f- people who were giving free tickets yesterday you know if you don't live around Manchester or like near-ish on a midweek uh, for these kind of games it is difficult and yeah we've got four home games in a row so it ends up, I guess, becoming expensive for people to be paying for all those games coming up. But uh, as I said, we'll take a break there and talk about those games that are coming up now. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. All right, back for part three of the podcast. Uh, so as I said, we've look, looked at these three last games we had. So the game's coming up. We're back at Palace again on Saturday. I think it'll be quite a different Palace team that we play. They played a relatively weak team. A lot of their big guns are on the bench. And I have seen uh, Roy Hodgson getting a bit of stick this morning for that on the likes of Talk Sport, saying, you know, if you are a Palace fan, then surely these are the joy you can get is having the odd kind of cop run. Is it enough for you just to stay up? But I guess that is Hodson's remit is just to keep them up every season. Uh, but sometimes you do think like, you know, these teams could have a bit more of a go in the cup because they know we're going to rotate a lot. So yeah, you might think they could have more of a chance, but I'm sure it'll be totally different on the weekend. We'll expect quite a different lineup, quite different way. It will not be as easy on Saturday, will it? Yeah. Unfortunately, Rob Holding probably won't be playing. Uh, so that's, that's, that's unfortunate because he is absolutely terrible. Uh, but yeah, no, you'll imagine Eze will come back in, Matt Gay, um, I think who else? But Will Hughes, probably. Mitchell. Yeah. Mitchell, yeah, all those people come back in. Uh, oh no, Mitchell played. Mitchell played uh, yesterday. But I think, um, yeah, Rob Holding's terrible. So I doubt he'll play. And that's the main one. Uh, but no, I mean, it's a... Uh, It'll be a different game, but you would still hope that we can win, and it would actually help. It would actually be an opportunity for us to get ahead of points on last season because we obviously drew to Palace at home last season with Casemiro getting sent off. Um, is that right? Am I have I made that right? Oh no, Southampton we drew. No, 
We beat Palace 2-1 and Casemiro got sent off. But we drew to Southampton, 0-0, because Casemiro got sent off. I'm getting my games confused here, I think. You can correct me. Which one's right? Oh, yeah. I, 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 know, I do remember him getting the red card against Palace because it was on Will Hughes where it was the kind of throat thing. Uh, but I forget, you know, which results, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, we beat, we beat, Palace, we beat, we beat Palace last year, um, despite the choking. And then we drew, we drew to Southampton. We drew to Southampton when Casemiro got that yellow card upgraded to a red card, and then we drew to Southampton. So we'll to remain consistent with last year. We need to beat Palace on the weekend, but you'd expect us to. Uh, we've got players coming back. Be interested to see who he lines up. If Regulon's back at left back, will Amrabat start in midfield? I would maybe think so. Um, will Mount play Bruno? Will obviously you think Hoyland and Rashford are coming? So it'll be a different look for us, different look for them. But you'd still. At home, it'd be a harder game. I think Palace will be a much tougher opportunity, op- opponent than they were yesterday, but we, we should still win. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Oh, yeah, one one actually I just forgot to mention while we were talking about the Palace game was obviously poor Dean Henderson, uh, who comes back to Old Trafford, making his Palace debut, and, yeah, quite fittingly, limps out after 20 minutes. Uh, I mean, in a way, I feel sorry for him. He also said some bad things about Manchester United, so I don't feel that sorry for him. And yeah, I'd say it's kind of fitting and ironic in a way. That's the way it's gone for him. But yeah, just glad that we did get some money for him while we still could. Yeah, I mean, also, um, you can imagine him having some sort of world of game. I don't think actually he would have done, to be fair. Uh, But no, I mean, you don't want to see players getting injured. But uh, yeah, it's... uh... Be interested to see how long he's out for, and if you'll ever actually be able to display Sam John, another one of our keepers, Sam Johnston, uh, lest we forget. So it'd be interesting to be able to display him. I don't think he actually will. I think mm. Johnston's probably a better goalkeeper. I think if he'd stayed fit, I think he would have displaced him eventually. But yeah, he just can't stay fit. Things one one thing after another for him, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, as I say, we are now three home games in a row. So that's Crystal Palace. Then Galatasaray at home in the Champions League, and then Brentford. Uh, so yeah, we're hoping this run of games, and that takes us to the next international break. Yeah, another international break, unfortunately. But yeah, these three home games now take us there, and look, we should be we should be expecting three wins in a row, really, shouldn't we? Oh, definitely. Um, minimum three wins. I I wouldn't expect anything less, to be honest with you. Um, I think a draw in any of those games would you be. You might two wins and a draw. You, you're not going to nope. get too upset about, but really, it ah, should no, be I'd three be upset, wins. I'd be upset about that. I think um, Galatasaray. We have to win that. We have to win all our home games in the Champions League. Ultimately, we want to. I mean, we we got a good result with Galatasaray and Copenhagen drawing. Um, so you'd kind of want to go into the the you know the return fixtures, the last three games of that group stage, with us on six points, Bayern on nine, and then both on one. And at that point, you're looking pretty good. Uh, so we need to beat Galatasaray and Copenhagen at home. Um, Brentford at home, again, Brentford a fair tough opponent, but again, we should be winning. And this past game, we should also be winning. So not, nothing less than three wins in a row here. Yeah, Brentford had a kind of strong start to the season, but have kind of fallen off the boil a bit. Uh, I, 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 I jumped on the Brentford bandwagon early on in the fantasy football and bought in. And Buemo and Wieser, and then they've done absolutely nothing for about three or four weeks in a row. Uh, I think they are still struggling to cover for Ivan Tony being out. A uh, fair bit of connection with him with various teams for when he does come back in January at the moment. But yeah, I think they are struggling without him and not quite getting the results they're kind of used to over there. So yeah, we would hope that we would win these games. But yeah, I think we'll have another podcast before that Brentford game anyhow. But as I say, three home games in a row. We are expecting three wins. We'll get our season right back on track. I mean, I'd seen a thread on Red Cafe and there's often knee-jerk things. And it obviously it came after the Brighton loss and people were saying, or pretty much writing off the season, saying, look, what are your new expectations for the season? Like now, obviously we can no longer expect the same as we did at the start of the season. But for me, there is nothing changed in what my expectations of the season are. Yeah, we had a bad start. We lost three matches. But my expectations for this season are absolutely unchanged. And that is top four. Hopefully even I still think we can get towards uh, second place. I think City are, it's kind of City and the rest, I still think, unfortunately. But I don't see why we can't get towards second place. And yeah, I expect us to get through our Champions League group 
maybe even have a run there. And, uh, you know, we had a cup win last season. So, yeah, that's still on my list of expectations for the year. Uh, I mean, yeah, have you changed anything in your kind of season expectations? You know, we're like a month or so in now. Um, well, how you, you know, it hasn't gone to plan, of course, hasn't gone to plan at all. But has anything changed for you? I don't think expectations needs to change. You should still expect what you've, you wanted us to do. It's whether we, you believe we can do it. So my expectations were just an improvement on last season in any way, whatever way that will be. You just hope season on season you get some improvement. Um, that's obviously means definitely getting in the Champions League, probably either doing really well in the Champions League this year or getting getting another cup, whether that's the FA or the League Cup. Just something that shows that we're moving forward as a club. Um, don't know if we can achieve it because I feel like the leagues are probably, I think, better. Uh, Spurs, obviously, better. Chelsea aren't, so that's nice. Um, Newcastle don't like they're going away. Um, Arsenal, I don't know if Arsenal look better, actually, but they still look like a decent side. So it's going to be, you know, it's going to be tough up there, but you would hope that we have enough about us to still finish in the top four. I, don't, I, I, I still think City are miles away uh, from us. So, and Liverpool actually look like they've got their act together a little bit as well. So, yeah, I mean, expectations are the same. Want improvement, whether we'll get it, I'm not sure. Yeah, and I will say that, like you said, there is a whole raft of clubs who are expecting to finish in top four. You know, Tottenham have been the main one who have been a lot better than I kind of expected so far this season, whereas I expected Liverpool to be better. Uh, Newcastle was the other one where you kind of wanted to see, can they continue that run of form? And they seem to be that they're still going to be up and around there. So, yeah, it is going to be an absolute battle for those top four places. Uh, There could be a fifth Champions League place it's not something that's guaranteed. It's not something that we can rely on. It will depend on how the English clubs perform in Europe this year. Uh, that kind of sometimes gives me like weird thoughts because, you know, we might be the one who need that fifth place. And then, you know, you see somebody like Newcastle playing AC Milan and you're like, well, that should be better for us if Newcastle win this game. But uh, it's, it's kind of weird thought. And, and it will be only on this season's European performances that it decides which country gets an extra place in the Champions League next year. Uh, and I'm not sure if everybody's even realised that the Champions League format is changing completely next season. Not going to go into it in detail right now, but uh, I think this has been done slightly kind of on the sly and I don't think as many people realise how different it's all going to be next season. Mm. But yeah, if you, we will talk about this later on in the year for sure. Uh, But right now, yeah, I wanted to give a shout out to the Women's Super League, which is kicking off on Sunday. Uh, The first Mm -hmm. match is actually Aston Villa versus Manchester United. We're away. That's on Sunday lunchtime. So, yeah, that's the opening match of the Women's Super League season. I was actually hoping to get Natalie, who's been on the show in the past, or somebody else on. But she's out the country and a couple of other people are away as well. So you're going to just get my my deep women's football insight instead. I think I did go through the kind of transfers the other day. Uh, there's been a lot of players come in, quite a few big names. I think, actually, that we've spent more than any other club this summer. Uh, saw a table of it. It's still kind of pittance compared to the men's game, in all honesty. But, yeah, we paid a lot for this, uh, the American goalie who's come in. But the big players were uh, Miyazawa, the Japanese golden boot winner, uh, Guerrero from Spain, who won the World Cup with them. And Geyser up front, who also was a, she'd won the Golden Boot out in Spain a couple of years ago. So yeah, they're all players. Those are the three with like big reputations. A few other kind of squad names have come in. But yeah, we've got an absolute crazy start to the season because Villa are a good women's team. They're the kind of best of the rest of Villa. Best for sure. Yeah, exactly. And they have invested. uh, They've got in some good players. Rachel Daly was the top scorer in the Women's Super League last season and they've still got her and have brought in a couple of other decent players. So yeah, to start against them away is difficult. We then have Arsenal at home. Uh, They've obviously famously taken Alicia Russo off us. So yeah, she will be coming back to play against United in the second week there. And then yeah, we straight go into the first ever Women's Champions League matches for Manchester United women. And these are against Paris. Uh, It's not Paris Saint-Germain that some people get confused by. It's Paris FC. Oh, no, actually, sorry. I'm getting no, confused. No, we're, we're playing, playing Paris. Paris we're playing, we're, we're playing <laughs> but PSG. There is two. Arsenal lost to Paris FC. Arsenal lost Arsenal to Paris lost. FC. Yeah, Arsenal we, lost we to Paris PSG. FC. 
but we are playing PSG. Uh, there's a similar confusion in Spain where there's a Madrid women's team, but then there's also a separate uh, Real Madrid. But yeah, it's all kind of historic stuff where some women's teams were formed that weren't affiliated to men's teams. And then the men's teams have put out their women's teams uh, more recently. But yeah, we are playing Paris Saint-Germain, who are a very good women's team. Uh, French women's football was actually traditionally the European kind of powerhouse for women's football. And Lyon won the Women's Champions League something like eight times or something crazy like that. So the odds are going to be against us, unfortunately. But let's hope these new players who come in can get us going. Uh, I'm going to be trying to get to some of these women's matches this season as well, especially like uh, with my daughter. So, yeah, we'll keep an eye on it. and We will get somebody like Natalie or somebody else on who's more of an expert in the women's team to come and give us some more insight later on in this season. Uh, the Lionesses unfortunately lost last night. The Women's uh, Nations League is also going on now, but it's kind of a weird time to be having those matches before the season starts. But yeah, we will keep an eye on all the women's stuff going in this season. Three of the Manchester United women played for England last night. Mary Earps, Ella Toon and Katie Zellum. They've also got Maya Letizia in there. So yeah, there's four Man United women who are currently like a core part of the Lionesses team. Uh, so yeah, always keep an eye on them as well. But yeah, our main focus will always, of course, continue to be the men's team. Uh, we're getting the season back on track. Imran's expecting three wins in a row. I will remind him of that on the next podcast. I'm not sure when we're going to record. As I say, as these games come thick and fast, we always struggle to start fitting them in. And they're around when we're actually going to matches and all ourselves. But uh, I don't know if you'll get us after Palace, but maybe after the Galatasaray kind of midweek or something, we might get on there. And then, yeah. It does round out Brentford before the next international break. Um, so, yeah, we'll tr- but yeah, we will try and get you every week this season. I think that's rounding us off for now. Have I forgotten anything, Imran? Was there anything else you wanted to mention? No, just that Casemiro is our top scorer with four goals. And how yeah. we, we, we could live in a world where Casemiro scores over 10 goals this year. I mean, it's looking fairly likely. It is looking very likely. I mean, obviously he scored three goals this season. It was oh. uh, this week. This week, no, I was saying three goals oh. this week because it was two oh. against Bayern with, yeah. and uh, one in this Palace game. Uh, and yeah, it was two kind of late goals against Bayern that saved us from slight embarrassment, I suppose. And uh, there were late goals, but look, he's got there and he's done the thing. And even last season, we said he was. I didn't expect any goals from Casemiro. I was like, if he gets one or two, I'll be happy with that. And even last season, he was chipping in with way more than expected, mm. including kind of like bicycle kicks and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, you know, did not expect it. I knew he was going to do a defensive job. I knew he was a really good passer, but for him to be chipping in on the goal side is absolutely brilliant. But we want to see Hoyland. We want to see Rashford back on. Rashford is now short to score. I've sold him from my fantasy football team this week. Uh, I know Imran, you've had a good run. Didn't you sell like, who? you sold somebody before he scored a hat-trick? No, I sold Trippier. I sold Trippier before he got a hat trick of assists, and I sold. Uh, yeah, someone got a hat trick. Oh yeah, uh, Evan Ferguson before he got his hat trick as well. So I'm doing. I'm All doing right. Really so well who have you sold this, this week? So everybody I'm knows who to bring I'm, into their fantasy football team. I haven't done it yet, and I'm not telling you. So that, that is that. <laughs> but no, funny thing, Gasmir is I. I expected him because Oscar from Madrid, you saw him like spank one in from like thirty yards, and thought, oh, he might he might come up with one or two of those. But he's an absolute nuisance from set pieces. If we got our set piece yeah. delivery cock on every time. I mean, he is an absolute threat from set pieces. Um, great header of the ball. Manages to always get in front of his man or get a header in. Um, and even Evans now, actually. Evans in the last two games, obviously been mm. a bit of a threat as well. So if we can actually get the delivery sorted, we might actually become a threat from set pieces, which would be interesting for us because we're usually terrible at them. So just getting that delivery sorted. It would be. And in fact, it was Mason Mount, of course, who took the corner yesterday that he scored off. And maybe he'll yeah. start becoming more regular than Bruno and- on the corner duty. And Gillon took the one against Burnley, which is a really good corner, that one. Um, so, yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, let's see what happens there. But uh, I have sold Rashford from my fantasy team. I've had him since the start. He's not quite delivered for us, so he's now absolutely guaranteed to be start scoring. Uh, Onana's my only United player left in my team now. I'm still holding on to him. How, how many United players are in your fantasy football team, Imran? Zero. <laughs> As it should be, because then I'm never annoyed. When <laughs> That's we do how crap. much faith. 
that's, that's how much that's how faith Imran has at the moment in uh, Manchester no, United. No, it's uh, a double whammy. Uh, you know, because if, if, if Rashford scores on the weekend, you're not annoyed that he's scored because he's in your fantasy. You're, just in, you're happy that he's scored. But if he's in your fantasy team and he doesn't score, then you're doubly annoyed. So, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, he's not quite delivered enough for me, but I think he's been playing all right and the goals are going to come. I just thought my selection was cursing him at the moment. So, yeah, I've taken him out and his shorter start scoring. I, I, I put your money on Rashford scoring on Saturday now that I've sold him for sure. Uh, but, yeah, we will see you probably not after that Palace game, after Galatasaray or definitely Brentford. Uh, see you then. Good night. Cheers. Thank you for listening to United Hour. Remember to follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at United underscore hour. Please take the time to leave a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. United Hour is brought to you by the Sports Social Network and our theme song is by Ancient Feelings. To get in touch, please email unitedhour at gmail.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.